Mm. Hey, sis. It's Christmas. <laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> <laughs> um, are we gonna unpack? Are we gonna unpack the winner? Yes. As most of you know, Crystal Versace. Hello and welcome to the Full Volume Podcast. I am your host, G.I. Jolie. That's Harvey Brent. We're going to talk about... Sorry. That's okay. Oh, I'm Harvey Brent. And we have some time-sensitive... We're, we're already technically eight days late on talking about it. We've waited too long. She's eight days into her reign. Mm, yes. We really need to talk about Drag Race. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race UK. So we're just going to get right into it. Before we get right into it. Um, Crystal Versace... Kitty Scott Claus and Elevate were the top three. There wasn't a four, was it? No, it wasn't. Nope. Top three. Uh, Crystal Scott. Kitty. Scott. Sorry. <laughs> Kitty Scott. The embodiment of, quote, British drag. Elevate, the embodiment of closeted British drag. Oh my God. Slash yes. A theater kid. Yeah. And then. Crystal Versace, the embodiment of like, I would say the effects of North American drag on British drag. Very avant-garde. Yeah, Instagram drag on drag in general. She might be our first like Instagram queen winner that we've ever had across any season, possibly. Yeah, I would say that, oh, and I don't want to disparage Aquaria at all. I, that's, I was about to say Aquaria as well. Um, but there hasn't been a hoe this hot since Aquaria. Like, hot, hot, hot. Unfiltered filter face. Um, yeah. Super high glamour. And, like, picks stuff up. Like, she's a quick learner. She's like, I don't know how to dance. And then crushes it in a dance routine. It makes the other two, who have had 11 years of experience, look like doofuses. Yeah. Like, just, <laughs> Wow. Uh, terrible. Is it like a, it's like, is it like a thing where the winner is always like not great at the snatch game? What? Oh yeah. She was just meh at the snatch game. Yeah. Nothing, nothing remarkable, nothing remarkable to report. I had no mm. idea who they were playing. Uh, oh, and it was, they, play, they were playing charity shop Sue, weren't they? Yeah. <laughs> I know. Char- charity shop Sue is funny. But anyways, re- I relent. <laughs> <laughs> and then to have uh to have her come in later for a charity shop challenge was yes. hilarious. <laughs> but but anyway, okay, so uh I don't know, what are you I know I have thoughts and feelings. I okay, so I thought I would hate Crystal Versace just cuz she's young and society teaches us to hate youth. Um but and, you know, like, she just, she was, like, she was full of plastic. And, like, I'm, like, oh, this is going to be a bitchy, twinky gay. She's actually very nice. Oh. I think she's very nice. Um, I think she's talented. I think she's great. I, you know, and I will say, honestly, um, I don't think Crystal should have won until I saw that last lip sync. And I'm, like, I think she technically did the best. So if Rue based it off that lip sync, then Crystal deserved to win. I agree. I think she did a better lip sync than um, Kitty or Ella. I think uh, it was that song, uh, oh, You Don't Own Me by Dusty Springfield. And I'm like, I think technically Crystal did the best. She so did. She did. So I, 
you know, I, but I just, it's so hard for me aside from that to accept a queen at 19 beating out 29 and 32 year olds who've been doing this for 11 years. And they're so deep within their characters and deep into drag. I'm like, like Ella of a day and, and Kitty, but like Ella especially just got it, which I didn't know in the first half of the season. I'm like, where the, where the fuck did this bitch come from? And then she just came into her own. And I'm like, Oh no, she does get drag. She gets, she gets it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not upset. The only thing I'm upset about TBH, let's just, let's not turn this into something it's not, but I'm going to say it anyways. All three winners of Drag Race UK are white. A little weird. Uh, But I mean, maybe, maybe that's not so much a reflection of who they cast, but like the demographic of the queens they have to pick from that audition. I don't know. I, I'm trying to like think why that would be the case, but I'm like, they, well, they've had black queens and, and Asian queens and and whoever else, but it's just kind of the sounds yeah. about white. <sighs> I don't want to like make it a thing. I'm just saying it's interesting. Yeah, it's been a thing for three seasons at least, so we're just pointing it out. Um, also, I hate to use the that aged old argument that it's like we're rewarding talent and merit and not race <laughs> yeah i i mean i think in the case of season three maybe that that was true mm-hmm. like i i no offense but i don't know how vanity milan made it to fourth place because she had lip sync like twice before and i'm like oh, i don't know but i, I will think, say her makeup did get better yeah i it think did. her um oh god uh, just i think it was like sheer luck that they made it to the top 4 uh cuz the makeup was like mm, kind of not great but um the, the the there's a whole there's a whole thing about the the safety aspect we see greats uh legends if you will like Sasha Velour never lip syncing only being safe um, and winning RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. Just like unfurling, um, unfurling and showing us their true talent literally on finale night. <laughs> literally on finale night. Oh, that was such a shock. <sighs> Poor Shea Kool Aid. Shea, Shea Kool Aid would have won that if it wasn't for the all the party tricks. Like, not that, like, I, I love Shea. I'm sorry. I'm a big nah. Shea fan. <laughs> but. Me too. Oh, if you are plastic and look like Iman a little bit, I'm I'm into whatever you're serving. <laughs> but, I've wanted oh. to be Iman since I was like eight. <laughs> Ain't ever gonna happen, but dreams. Um, dreams. But here's hoping to season four having a little more diversity because yes. season three had like literally one black queen and, and an Asian queen who River Medway. Um, who was literally the Jade Jolie of UK drag. Like, what? <laughs> the drag was not cute. No, it was like... <laughs> or it was it too was cute. Like, <laughs> it, it was like, what's inside my cos- closet cosplay? Oh, it was... No. I it, am shocked that they made it as far as they did. I agree. I was like, oh, this is bad drag. It's all bodysuits and all like... Oh... Mm. high high neck miniskirts like it was <laughs> <laughs> it was i think 
initially everyone expected Crystal Versace because they're so sort of close in age mm-hmm. to be a baby drag queen, and she's she came out of the womb like laser focused and fully formed. Yeah, she she been cooking for a while in there, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Like uh, th- that's that's the thing that I can support about. I mean, my end thought about Crystal Versace is uh, even though Kitty Scott and Ella Day are adorable, um, are uh, great seamstresses, uh, have been have, have clout, have skin in the game, have amazing stories. Here comes this baby who, like, there's going to be a generation, and it is the embodiment of a generation that is has been able to benefit and take from all of the hard work that everyone has done to make the drag community what it is today. One day, the hope is that we are never going to have to listen to terrible coming out stories. Mm-hmm. Um, shitty drag stories about being mm. beaten in the streets. Yeah. One day, everyone's going to get to be a Crystal Versace who gets to enjoy their entertainment and who people can be entertained by without hate and prejudice. But unfortunately, that world does not exist yet. She offers a glimmer of hope, though. Yes. And yeah. she is, to me, Crystal is a reflection of what that world looks like. Yeah. Was someone who grows up with supportive parents, someone who she, grows up with a, I mean, she, she still has seems so normalized. Oh yeah. Like yeah. who, who is like, she's like just the epitome of almost a perfect story. Like a virgin, um, has supportive parents discovered drag and just became laser focused. And that is now their job. Like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so I, I don't know. I like Crystal. I'm happy yeah. for her. But yeah. it was, yeah, I, I think in, it'll be good. I, I, look, I look forward to seeing her grow and mm-hmm. appearing on possibly an all-winners season of All-Stars, which, by the way, is coming next year. Thank God. All-winners season. I can't deal with this, like, All-Stars season. What? I, can, <laughs> I can deal I with, like, can you put Baga and, like, maybe Elevate Day on an All-Stars season, though? I could do that. It's probably coming. They're doing. An, they're also doing an international all stars with like UK, American, Canadian, Dutch, and Thai queens. Ooh. Yeah, I'm Holy so excited. Oh. oh my god, I'm so excited for the Thai queen. I, I'm going to pronounce her name wrong, but you'll probably know her. Pangina heels. Yeah, incredible. I'm so excited yeah. to see her. <laughs> I still have to. I still have to watch uh, Drag Race Thailand. Sorry. Oh, I haven't watched it either. But somebody told me to like YouTube her videos, and I was like, oh, this bitch is good. Like she's. Yeah. Oh, I have to send you her lip sync later to telephone by Beyonce. It's iconic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or sorry, telephone by Lady Gaga and Beyonce. But you know, you get it. Yeah. Okay. W- welcome, viewers. Hello, Miami. Hello, Kansas. <laughs> I'm just gonna shout out Kansas every episode. <laughs> Manifest it. <laughs> Manifest. What are we manifesting? I don't know. A fan base in Kansas, so we can go and get Kansas City steak rub. Oh, I hear that shit's bomb. It's very good. Yeah, okay. I mean, sorry. Ugh, my hair is doing a weird thing. I'm at, I'm at that point where my bangs are like, they need to be trimmed. Okay, anyway. Yeah. So Haw- Hawkeye, number Episode three. three. 
Yes. Entitled Echo. Oh, my headphones turned off. Did they? Testing. Testing, testing. We have no juice in us. Hold on a second. I mean, my microphone is still on, so I I just don't want there to be an echo. Totally. Excuse me. Oh, great. One thing after another, huh? Now what? This is going to be interesting. Okay. Oh, that, not headphones, a microphone. <laughs> no. Okay. Did you want me to recap while you're. Yes, I'm going to mute and you can recap. Okay. So, episode three, titled Echo, um, it starts with a flashback of um, Maya, who we met at the end of episode two. Um, Maya is. You find out she's deaf, and um, you know she's. It's it's kind of her her upbringing as a child, um, you know, with with the tracksuit mafia adjacent, um, and uh, yeah. So she's really kind of just going through her, you know, why she went to a certain school, um, going to karate lessons, going to to MMA lessons, um, but um, we find out that her. Um, her father was killed by Ronan, we find out in a flashback. And further to that, and probably our first tangent, um, we get a very enticing hint of a cameo of a certain character in Maya's flashback. A, gra- <laughs> a groundbreaking cameo uh, from Daredevil. We get, we get Kingpin's chuckle and his, his hand and his rings. Um, that's big. I wonder if it's actually Vince D'Onofrio. Do we have confirmation that was actually him? I hear rumblings that he's like slated to return as Kingpin, but no one has known where. People are speculating because the auto body shop is called Fat Man Auto Body. And I was like, Fat Man, that's a weird like thing to be called. Mm. Like, why would you call something that? Hey. Kingpin is a big dude. Yeah. Um, oh, what else kind of gives it away? Oh, um, the comics. Oh, yes, the comics as well, because I believe he's, um, isn't he her father in the comics? Yeah, he, in <clears throat> her first appearance was in Daredevil number nine. Of course. Where he, Kingpin kills her father and like kind of assumes that father role. Oh, okay. Her and the other gentleman. I don't remember his name because he's just not relatable. Um, <laughs> so it's like, I just, I'm not, I, I don't like him as much as Echo. Um, but, but the other one that she like at least gives the floor to a little bit, they both call him uncle. So mm. definitely an adoptive father situation. I'm just looking I, it up. His name was um, William... Lopez. Mm, okay, okay. So yeah, that dude. Yeah. <clears throat> he was also in he was all the actor was also in Doctor Sleep as Crow Daddy, but that's beside the point. Um so anyways, yeah, we get a we get a possible hint of Kingpin, but you know, nothing yet. Hold your horses. Uh 
And then we go back to present day where where Echo slash Maya meets meets Hawkeye and Kate and starts interrogating them about the Ronin suit. And, you know, basically Clint's saying that Ronan's dead and she doesn't believe um, she doesn't believe him at all because, well, I mean, she's not wrong. So, you know, um, but then a um, Clint escapes and he gets his ass whooped by Echo. This leads into a big chase scene across New York City as Clint's driving with, by the way, no hearing aid at this point, which really adds to and we'll get into that. But it adds to the episode, really layers the episode. And they're. <laughs> And they're driving across New York City. Kate's doing all the shooting from the from the passenger side, and they luckily escape. After that, Kate and Barton go to infiltrate um, Kate's mom's house, Eleanor, and they use her computer to look up, uh, you know, the different tracksuit mafia members in the Bishop Security database. But as they're there. Barton hears a noise and he encounters swords swordsman who basically holds him at 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 sword point with <laughs> with a sword. So uh, <laughs> that's how the episode ends. It ends on a bit of a cliffhanger. Yes, because Kate's in the other room, um, sleuthing, googling. Yes, googling. Um, <clears throat> and now we see that swordsman is actually her potential step daddy. Oh, yeah, I mean, we kind of knew that, though, didn't we? Yeah. We figured they were going to get married, so yeah. But it just sucks because he's a shitty stepdad. Mm-hmm. Or Mostly is he? because, yeah. I mean, he could be a great stepdad. He's also just, like, a murderer. Casual. Who isn't? Right? <laughs> In these shows. I'm killing it every day. No. <laughs> oh, nice Hogwarts mug. Thank you. I left my KK Slider at home. I mean, oh, work. at work, at work. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, the things that, okay, this, this episode, I would say is the, the best episode of any of these Marvel Disney plus series ever. That's a hot take. It is a, the hottest take. Give me, give me reasons. Um, because uh, it fully redeems not fully redeems, but I've always loved Hawkeye. Oh, okay. He's he's a bit boring. Um, I think, okay, I've always loved the idea of Hawkeye. He's, he's your Batman. He's your gadget guy. <clears throat> he um, is. He's the only one of the Avengers who runs into every single fight and is... Complete the most vulnerable. Um, yeah. and, and next to Natasha. Yep. Um, and I don't feel like he was given enough credit for that. Not not credit. He it was never. Uh, it it was never made light of enough. Like, um, <clears throat> this it was. It's like you or me being really good at archery. Like almost flawless at archery, and then running in when aliens invade the earth with a bow and arrow. Yeah, Can you imagine that. It'd be a hard sell. Mm. And then you know when a godlike creature like Thanos comes in, he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I'm in." What? <laughs> you me? have a sticks, some sticks and string. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, he's well. He actually brings it up in this episode too. Yeah, yeah. I forget where it comes up, but he's like, "Yeah, my my repertoire is sticks and string," but I can't remember how it came up. I think they were eating in the diner. Something, yeah. Um, and the whole episode, he okay. So this is the first time I feel and get the impression that he is, but a man with sticks and string. Well, yeah. I mean, throughout the episode, uh, Echo crushes his hearing aid, which yeah, totally like turns. I don't want to say turns the episode on its head, but it totally flips the switch on the episode where he can't hear. And it's like putting you in that perspective of someone that's hard of hearing, right? So I that that's a very good example of we know Hawkeye to be of hearing, and now he's hard of hearing just because of his various exploits yeah. across the MCU. Uh, but that's it's the decline of man. It's the natural decline of man in a way. So it was interesting to see him have to struggle, you know, and just realize his mortality. Yeah. Uh it, it it contrasts so well with like Kate's vision of who Hawkeye is since she was a kid and she tells him, which is really nice. Um, since she's a kid, she's seen him as this superhuman superhero type. Mm-hmm. And that is who she, he is in her mind. And the idea of him has like, that that's the idea in her mind. And, and he is like, well, no, 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 we got to bring these ideas back down to earth because this is not, this is not what you think it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I am broken. <laughs> <laughs> I am literally falling to pieces. Um, you're sitting on the doorstep of an old Chinese medicine woman waiting for my hearing aid to get fixed. Like, yeah, it, it, it's the, the nature of, uh, Sorry, just like human nature and be, not human nature, like being human in a world of superhumans um, is being highlighted in like a Marvel's sort of way. Like the, the uh, you know, that comic where you sort of see all of the fights from the perspective of like the citizens of New York. That's what this show is giving me and like. I think that's what this character needed. So, like, Kate's always like, your branding really needs to be worked on. It's like, well, here you go. Um, <laughs> totally fixed. Your branding is you're a human guy falling apart, um, and you have to overcome ridiculous odds because you're only human. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, yeah, I think I'm really, I'm really living for, like, this sort of turn towards I don't want to say like like it's less fantasy and way more relatable it is I I think the eventuality of this though is the fact that I think Hawkeye is going to pass the torch to Kate this is which is fine which is fine yeah I guess Jeremy Renner's tired much like his his in-universe counterpart Hawkeye he's tired he looks tired Mm -hmm. looks sleepy boy needs a nap so yeah, yeah. I think that's the eventuality of this. It's like Hawkeye is really giving the more the mortality of superheroes, um, which is funny because last night I was also watching Spider Man Two with Doctor Octopus in in preparation for, of course, <laughs> Spider Man No Way Home, and they <laughs> they touch a bit about that too. About you know, I mean, that's a very hero centric superhero film, and I was like, yeah, like Spider Man, he can't do it all. He can't, 
you know, he can't deliver pizzas and date MJ and save crime and help Aunt May get out of financial ruin. Like, it's just that, <laughs> but it's those like people problems. Those are the best superhero stories. And I think we're getting that with Hawkeye too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people problems. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like not yeah. not as not as guardian problems there. <laughs> yeah. Um or billionaire yeah, and like, problems. And and it's a really good look into like when quote as guardian problems become people problems. Because I think they tried to do that with like the Thor films where it's like they insert him into an earthly world, an earthly realm, but like there's still that fantastic magical element. Mm-hmm. Here there was still there was a real threat. Like you feel like even when it flashbacked to Kate, uh, her home being destroyed as a child, you f- I felt the threat of what the the Chitari being in my town eventually could look like or be or like, you know, maybe possibly death. Imagine the Chitari invading St. Thomas. Woof. <laughs> Wiped off the map. Wiped off. Wiped off. Scourged. The only surviving thing. Weirdly, Jumbo statue. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. We feel for these characters a bit more because we know they're operating in a universe that is beyond their means physically. And yet they have to operate like you and I would. Yeah. You know? With so it's like, interesting. Yeah, with like honed and practiced archery skills. Hone, very honed, very practiced, and we should probably talk about that. So the chase scene mm. was pretty. I don't know. I don't know if the words refreshing, but it was. Yeah, I guess it was kind of. It was. It was good. That was a good chase scene with the tracksuit mafia and us learning all these different arrow types. There's the one with the pink sludge, and there is the pim one that turned into a giant arrow, which was awesome. Uh, I I thought it was a good fight scene. You know, again, yeah. just working within the means of what's possible in a Hawkeye film again, because he is human. Yeah. Do you know what's really, what's really funny too, is that she's like, what the hell am I going to do with USB? Uh, USB <laughs> arrow. And it's like, girl, do you know what that arrow has done? Have you watched What If, Kate Bishop? Yeah. <laughs> Did you watch What If? <laughs> Did you watch the alternate version of me save not only the universe, but the multiverse? Do you remember that? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Ask me again what a USB arrow is for. <laughs> Stupid millennials. <laughs> or that's a Gen Z. She's Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, she's 21. She yeah. Gen Z. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it was so hilarious. And then she shot it at somebody like it was going to do something. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I just... Uh, so it's like, uh, that's the one time I've ever thought, oh wow, like the, the sort of ridiculousness of... um trick arrows like thousands mm-hmm. of trick arrows potentially not thousands maybe tens in a quiver it's like hmm what else you got in that bag of trick arrows also like, how do was, you how do you differentiate them if they're like behind you on your back how do you know how do you know which one you're pulling right right it's like have to like trial and error like check okay yeah maybe his powers of uh his <laughs> Maybe he that's his pet that, that's his secret superpower is where he can like discern by touch. Maybe. Well, I mean he lost his you know, he's hard of hearing, so maybe he, like his maybe he's got like, I don't know, some sort of decoder on the on the arrow that he can feel or something. That's Braille. Mm-hmm. That's a different that's a different sense. That's just me being stupid. But I don't know. It's an you idea. You never know. 
Yeah. Is this the first time in any Hawkeye appearance that he used trick arrows? Yes. Interesting. I'm surprised they've waited 10 years to bring in some sort of, like they could have really made his fight scenes more exciting in the Avengers films. They could have, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not like a, apparently this is comics continuity. The, the trickiness of those arrows. It's like, Oh, okay. And again, fixing that branding problem that Marvel never got right. I mean, the Marvel films never got right for the character. It's exciting because it's like, oh, okay, Matt Fraction wrote in some really funny, like, plunger arrow. Yeah. That's like, that's like, um, Wiley Coyote level shit. Totally. Yes. But like, totally usable, plausible in this little world. It makes so, sense. Or with the whole arrow with the, the hook on it that lets him swing onto the subway car. Like, totally. Oh, that was, that was dope. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, Kate knew exactly what was going on and they just, hauled it over that bridge i was like yeah uh, yeah <laughs> i like that she's not i like that she's not stupid like a stupid young person do you know what i mean it's just like every time she does something competent i'm like oh it's refreshing yeah. you know what i mean like i'm like oh you're not like you're not a rogue from x-men you're not like you know someone that's always like oh i screwed up come save me like you know she she's very competent it's just such a nice breath of fresh air i hate incompetent heroes growing into their you know selves I, I like it she's young and she takes it seriously yeah and not every old character is like a you don't remember this time miser right <laughs> like, yeah trying to teach trying to teach the children about like history her story <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah this one scores big super points uh for using oh what is that? i shazammed it uh, some some old uh, Motown inspired soundtracking. I just again, I think it was you that mentioned the whole. Is this a Christmas show? And I was like, Yes, girl. It is. <laughs> yeah. um, Sweet Gingerbread Man by Sammy Davison Jr. Oh. Um, at the end during the end credits, it's like a Motown. It had like some Motown flavor, and I was like, I don't think I've ever heard this song before. And it was Christmas. Also, <clears throat> yeah, the uh, Nutcracker Suite playing throughout. <laughs> was that too on the nose because everyone's Russian? I don't know, but. <laughs> um, so how do how, I wonder so going forward, how are they going to link this to Kingpin? Are they going to bring Kingpin in? We don't know that first of all, but are the? I mean, I guess Kingpin is her uncle in this timeline. Mm-hmm. I don't know how, I really don't know how he's going to factor in. uh, So Kate, okay. So we all know, well, here's the thing. Ronan. I think maybe Ronan is the linchpin in all of this. Mm -hmm. So they're hunting Ronan because he's killing mafia bosses. Maybe that's, maybe it's just as simple as that. And Kingpin Mm -hmm. is, you know, the bosses of mafias. (laughs) <laughs> the mafia oh. bosses of mafias. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. is. He invented the mafia. He is he the mafia. It. Yeah. Okay, that could be it. And then do we have oh. any thoughts about um, Alakwa Cox as Echo? Because this is her, her big debut. Yeah, in the Marvel Universe. In the MCU, yeah. And, yeah. Um, I, I like her. Is she disabled? Uh, 
Let me. Is her like amputated roll. in real life? That's crazy. She has. She is an amputee in real life. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, just, sorry, I was just reading it real quick. Um, no, I'm just. Okay. Do you know what? This isn't perfection. I had a toilet thought at three in the morning. Mm. And I was like, you know what? The only Marvel thing, the only super Marvel-y thing about this show was the flashback sequence to her origin story. Yeah. Mm. It felt exposition-y. Yep. Um, uh, especially like, especially the grandfather death, <laughs> uh, grandfather, father, father death, the death father. of her entire family and the people who worked for them. That felt very 2000s comic book movie. Like yeah. Spider-Man blade. Like it felt that kind of level of like, no, you know, I'll get, yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. I almost agree. as if someone else directed it. It, it just I felt th- weird. The more I think about it, the more like, oh my god, yeah, that's totally a leftover of comic book films past. Yeah. We can't just uh, imply things anymore. We can't just we can't just throw accusations around. That's that's what we do now. <laughs> Flashbacks are out of style. Oh, especially to this <laughs> level, Jesus. Uh, but I will say there are a couple really great scenes. Um, like the long scene, the long action scene. Um where there was karate. <laughs> yes. Mm, um, and then I love, I love when directors use windows, uh, like, like different rooms. So when she gets to their secret hideaway and Ronan is busy killing everybody through the windows, um, we're already separated from the action by her disability. Um, but just like to separate sort of the viewer, you mean there's like two different locations. I'm not trying to say anything like super uh, academic about it or anything. I just like the aesthetic of uh, I I like and appreciate the aesthetic of what happened because I know how hard something like that is to film. Just mm. like d- to dolly mm. sideways to actually have the lighting be perfect that you can see in the inside and on the outside. Um, it does it say something about her hearing disability? Maybe, but it's also like disables the viewer a little bit. I don't want to get too. What's the word pretentious about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I getcha. I getcha. No, it was, yeah, it was well done for sure. So moving in, moving on. Uh, we have like what, like four, four episodes, three episodes three. left. We have three, three left. So that puts us ending. We're bringing you fresh content until December twenty second. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, right now we're just gonna fester on how how Kingpin gets introduced, mm-hmm. how he passes the torch on. <gasps> oh, I know. Maybe Swordsman works for Kingpin. I'm I'm gonna assume. That's probably the case. Yeah. There's got to be a bigger reason why he killed his own father. <sighs> Possibly. Weird. Okay. We're also going to look forward to, um, and this is spoiler alert, so people that don't want Spider-Man No Way Home spoiled for them, um, there's heavy rumors that Kingpin isn't the only returning Daredevil character this month, that Charlie Cox as Daredevil 
will be in Spider-Man No Way Home, possibly, maybe. Hooray! Hooray! So this is this is a big month for Daredevil. Awesome! Yeah. Excited. They got to tie in those Netflix shows somehow. Yeah, the good ones but, only. So Daredevil. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Just Daredevil. I mean, we haven't forgot about Jessica Jones season one, but uh, did they make a season two of that? They did. I don't remember finishing it. I think so. Cool. (laughs) Check that out. Oh, yeah. Mm, Luke Cage was also one. Maybe they'll bring him back, too. They definitely won't bring back Iron Fist. That's just... There was three seasons of Jessica Jones, apparently. I am gagged. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Got some watching to do. Mm, Maybe. Perhaps. Okay. Okay. Zero percent. Okay, so <laughs> please send all your speculations and all your sleuthing to the full volume podcast. We get your messages. We would read them on air, but we're not live, so um, it's fullvolumepod at gmail.com or you can reach out to us via social media. Um, we are a we are under the Comic Book Syndicate umbrella. So if you find us on the Comic Book Syndicate on Facebook or Comic Syndicate at Comic Syndicate on Twitter uh, or at Comic Book Syndicate on Instagram, it's me at the helm of those messages. So if mm. I don't get back to you, there's a good reason. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just send us send us money. Send us flowers. Yeah. Send dog treats for Wilbur, who is the best... It. He has an advent calendar for dogs where each day is like a little doggy biscuit. You have to open the little window. He loves it. Um, I think Parker has the same advent calendar. I saw on Josh Marvell's Instagram. I was, I was oh. going to message him and be like, yeah. <laughs> mm, advent calendar twinsies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, let us know what we're getting wrong for sure. Um, and then, because we don't want to not get right. Yeah. And then let us know what we're getting right because we also enjoy... And also get um until next time. Keep it loud. Keep it at the fullest of volumes. (laughs) Bye. Bye.